It's Bianca Del Rio, and you're back with another episode of the Bianca Del Rio podcast. I hope you've been enjoying our podcast lately. I've had a great time doing it. I didn't expect to have this much fun, and today should be fun. There's a brilliant guy by the name of Ryan O'Connell who I get a chance to talk to. He's a writer, actor, director, comedian, author, LGBTQ activist, and a disability advocate. You might know him from his Netflix show called Special. The first season was out and uh, it got great reviews. And, you know, he's here to tell me his story. Basically how he became a writer who wrote a story that became a book that became a show that he didn't plan to star in. It's pretty complicated, but that usually happens when you're gay. So I suggest that you go to Netflix and watch the first season because season two is available now. So I have the chance to sit down and chat with Ryan and he is an absolute hoot. And it went a little bit like this. Well, I'm calling him Ryan, but he prefers to be called Nora. Listen in and you'll find out why. And here we are now talking with the fabulous Mr. Ryan O'Connell. How are you, Mr. Ryan? I am doing wonderful. So much better now that I'm here with you on Zoom the way God intended. Isn't that it? Is, it, is this really what God intended? Did this whole pandemic start just for people to have to view other people from a distance and then appreciate getting together again? Is that what this is? You know, honey, I don't know, but it really makes you think. <laughs> Doesn't it? Doesn't it? I mean, I've been fascinated because today I got a, sec- a second dose of my vaccine and uh, everybody's like, are you going to feel side effects? Are you going to feel crazy? Is there a microchip? And I laugh at people because I think, you know, it, people feel that this might actually change the world with this whole vaccine thing and that they're going to follow us. And I'm like, you have a fucking phone. We have social security yeah. numbers. You know, it's not that crazy. So how do you feel about this whole vaccine madness in the world? Um, I feel very, I'm very vaccine positive. Um, we, I'm addic- we- <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I'm going to go on a limb and say I love the vaccine. I got vaccinated uh, in February. I think um, the people that are against it uh, are fundamentally broken and I hope they seek treatment. <laughs> Now you see that is that's this is a, what we need. I hope they seek treatment with a vaccine. Yeah, I <laughs> agree. Frankly. You see, Ryan, I think you need to be a politician because this is perfect. We need somebody who's just calling it out because we got Pete Buttigieg there doing it, but we need another gay man in there just calling these bitches out and just saying yeah. the truth because that's important. Well, who needs that when we have the politician on Netflix starring Ben Platt? Oh, oh God, that thing. Yes, exactly. Well, that, that's when you're really gay. You get that because <laughs> it was it was also who was it? It was Bette Midler and yeah, who was the it other. Was, there was kind of like a game of gay mad libs and the gays still didn't bite, which I was addicted to. Well, I mean, it, it could have something to do with the fact that Ryan Murphy has like 9,000 productions going on at once and they're just gay, 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 gay. Now he's True, moving on. Which to- is good. No, it I is. Love. Yes, yeah. and now he's moving on to Killers. So I love that. That's a good thing, you know? Um, but I have to say, though, uh, it's great to catch up with you today. And we have not met before this, but I definitely know about you. And I'm excited to get to actually chat with you and just find out, you know, uh, what... What took you from point A to point B uh, to now be at C and D? You know, what what was the journey for you? Because I know that you grew up in California, right? Yeah, um, my journey from point A to point gay, as it were. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, God forgive me. I worked on one season of Will and Grace, and now my brain is like damaged forever with puns. Although it kind of was before. Who am I? Who am I kidding? Yeah. Right. Um, 
But yeah, I grew up in Ventura, California, um, which is an hour north of Los Angeles, which is mm -hmm. very like quintessential sleepy beach town, like blue collar vibes. And yeah. um, I I loved it. But at the time I was just like, get me out of this prison. Meanwhile, it's like beautiful weather every single day. And like, I'm like, <laughs> like it could be a lot worse. No, but um, isn't that isn't that funny though when you're young is that, I mean, I, I grew up in New Orleans, which is, you know, a big party town. But as a child, I wanted to get the fuck out of there. I'm like, this is not for me. But now it's like, oh my God, you can carry drinks on the street. Everybody's gay. There's an area where no one has to drive. That is a prime place for someone like me now. I love New Orleans. Oh, New Orleans is one of my favorite places on earth it's yes. incredible i'm obsessed it, it, it truly is and i always tell people when they when they're like well what is it like i go you like drinking yeah you like food yeah you like a lot of characters yeah come with me and it's almost like time stops there everything is like you're walking in molasses itself because everybody's so slow there's no urgency and no one cares so it, it's a good place to visit Yes, I'm obsessed. Uh, I love to eat. So I really, oh. I found myself at home there. The food is outrageous. I don't know how everyone there is not just keeling over of heart attacks because <laughs> the food is so, like it trying is. to find, trying to find a salad in that place, honey. Like it's Oh, Lewis, good luck. You're like Lewis and, you're like Lewis and Clark. We need to build a new route. You know what I mean? It's like. <laughs> It's crazy. <laughs> and yeah. you see, and here you are in, in California living the life, living, as I call it, the white woman fantasy. And you've got everything you want. You want to get the fuck out of there. I'm so oppressed by this beautiful weather, this <laughs> beach. Are you kidding me? How like, dare I they? Know. How dare they? I live in a prison. Break free. Break free. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I had no point of reference, TBH. So I was yeah. really, I was just ready for something else. I also went to New York for the first time when I was like 17. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, this place, the rumors are true. I God. love it. Yes. Yes. Doesn't it change your world? I mean, I, I mean, I grew up, I don't know when you went, when you were, I don't even know how old you are, but I, when I went to New York, I mean, it was before. I'm so fucking young. I'm oh, so wait, how, wait, how old are you? I went, to, I, went, I went to New York for the first time in 2015. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, no, so I'm, th I'm 34. I'm a very 34? Well, that's, that's still considered young. I mean, I'm 45 and I, I went to New York when I was 17. So this is, you know, pre-internet, pre, I mean, we had photos, we had libraries that you could look up stuff on. I mean, we didn't really have home computers not my home, uh, at the time. So I had no idea what I was expecting until you walk into it and you live in it. And did, did you just walk into New York and go, I need to be here? Yeah, of course. I mean, the, the energy was psychotic and I just wanted to tap into it all the time. And um, yeah, I mean, my first time there, I remember like sneaking into a restaurant in St. Mark's that like could would serve, you know, alcohol to people that were like placenta. Yeah. And I, I remember not knowing... <laughs> I remember not knowing like what drinks were. So I, yeah. my only, my only point of reference for that, which is so gay and so sad was Kevin Costner drinking a screwdriver in the bodyguard. Oh God. So I yes. was like, I was like, I guess I'll take a screwdriver. So I just yeah. drank screw, screwdrivers all night, which is honestly so horrendous. And yes, I did it is. that for such a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was, it was, uh, it was magic and it was a bunch of freaks on a leash and I yeah. felt very much at homo. Now, you see, see, to be honest, though, a screwdriver is totally like a questionable drink because I don't think it's a gay person's drink. So here was this no, moment. It's bizarre. Where you, it's completely. I remember as I a child. I was switching, okay? I was switching. <laughs> How dare I was, you? <laughs> I was trying to be masked. I was trying to be like Kevin Costner. I was like, screwdriver, please. <laughs> Yeah. It's, or, you know, very lesbian, if you say screwdriver. You know what I mean? It has that weight to it. So it sounds like it's deeper than it is. It's just orange juice and vodka. But, you know, 
We do what we have to do. The things we do to survive. So Ain't that sad. the truth? Yeah, because I know internally you probably wanted like a spiked Shirley Temple of some sort. You know, something Of course, foody. I wanted a, I wanted a pina colada. I wanted, you know, I wanted a day and a drink. But... You wanted an RSVP cocktail. That's what it is. Yeah. Cruise cocktail. Exactly. I have a friend. I have a friend of mine named Matt Kugelman who, when no matter where we go, it could be the shittiest restaurant, it could be the most fabulous restaurant. He always orders like the special on the menu and the faggiest fucking drink. It's always like comes in a coconut with a little frill and there's probably no liquor and it's full of sugar but he's the one faggot that will always buy an order that drink and i just don't get it i don't get it it's 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 being gay babe it's our culture we <laughs> by law have yeah. to order the special have to order the gayest drink it's it's like we don't have a choice you think this is consensual we don't talk about this as a community okay? oh community i i love the word community and i say this all the time is that when they say gay community I go, i've never been to a community meeting i have never sat in a room with a bunch of faggots and they sit back and go hi my name is jeffrey and i'm gay and we all go welcome to the club jeffrey what what points do you have it never happens so i always am amused by it because i always consider it you know just a bunch of faggots and then there's louder faggots with social media now and how yes. does how, do, how does social media play into your life now could you have done this stuff that you were doing in new york at 17 with social media now do you think no it was definitely a different world i think we were definitely like not tethered to our devices i found i sound 80 years old yeah. by a campfire i'm like gather around children <laughs> but i feel like i gave myself the gift of deactivating twitter like a like uh almost a year ago really and, yeah because i just felt like um i didn't need it I, I yeah. just was like, I, I hate this place. It makes me feel bad about myself. Everyone here is truly unwell and I'm participating in the unwellness. And yeah. I also think not having Twitter is a power move. Uh-huh. And um, I fully love a power move. Uh-huh. So yeah, I loved it. And I, really? and I love not knowing. I love not knowing what's going on. I love not knowing what people are outraged about because I still very much have an addiction to Instagram. But Instagram oh, yeah. is like, but Instagram is just a bunch of like hot guys' torsos with like long captions about their struggles with anxiety. So it's oh. like not that big so of a deal. So you've totally seen my account then. Okay, that makes sense. No, but the craziness with it, now I have to say, and, and you're right, because I, I, you know, have issues with Twitter as well, just because it's not so much that people can respond, but I find that there's just certain people that all they want to do is just get in there with some nastiness that can provoke you. And that Chrissy Teigen, uh, what's his name? John, John... Legend. Don, John, John Legend's wife. Yeah. John Legend's wife did this whole thing uh, who I loved her on Twitter. I thought she was fun. And she's like, I'm out of here. It's too toxic. And now she's back. So I'm well, like, can you I just can't say come something? back. You can't it's come back. <laughs> people that announce that they're taking social media breaks, I'm yeah. praying for them. I'm mm-hmm. lighting a dip, I'm lighting a dip tea candle for them. Like <laughs> I saw Christy Tegan's brave post about leaving mm-hmm. Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then I saw her very brave post three weeks later when she came back. And I was like, you know, this could have been just remedied by somebody just taking a walk around the block. A completely. You know what I mean? Like, she just probably, take a walk. She probably just owns the block. She owns yeah, the block. But, just but go. It's like, but it's like, when I deleted my Twitter, uh, uh, um, oh, yeah. I, I did not make an announcement. I did yeah. not say that I was bravely stepping away from the platform. I just, um, wait for it, deleted it. And then that was Re- it. Is that how you do it? That's yeah, and then you talk, and then you talk about it on numerous podcasts to get <laughs> to get points and to feel good about yourself. Absolutely, <laughs> to, get the, to get that street cred. Yeah, he don't need that Twitter. Of course. Yeah, it, I yeah. do find it. I do find it wild. I mean, I don't think I would survive if I was a seventeen-year-old in this world. I don't think I would last. I, I really don't think I. I think I would be a hot fucking mess. So I'm grateful that that's in my past now. But we're going back to you in New York at seventeen, ordering a screwdriver. <laughs> what's the next? What's the next big thing that happened? happened after that what else took well, you on your journey 
uh, a lot of other screwdrivers for sure. Yeah. Played, a role, uh-huh. played, a, played a role in that path. <laughs> um, and then I, w- I went to school in New York, as one does, you know. Yes. People either move to New York for Sex and the City, but mostly they do for Sex and the City. I moved because of Felicity, which was an iconic television yes. show starring yes. Terry Russell. Uh-huh. So all I wanted to do was have frizzy hair, be anxious about boys, and work at Dean and DeLuca. Oh, and, um, Yeah. Oh, like. When I first moved to New York, that's the first place I made, I went to was Dean DeLuca. That was like coming to my mothership. It was shocked. All my teeth fell out when I realized how much everything cost. Um, <laughs> but it yeah. was, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was really fun. I always say New York is great if you're 21 or you have $21 million. Otherwise, yeah. it's sort of not the vibe. Um, yeah. But I spent most of my 20s there um, just burning everything to the ground and having fun in quotes. And I wanted to what you remember, what you remember. Yeah. 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 It's all, it's all a haze of, uh, (laughs) of pills and, you know, shoegaze and who knows what else. Yeah. Very, very Valley of the dolls. Very Valley of the dolls. No, yeah. But it was very Valley of the dolls. Cause nothing happened. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Nothing happened. (laughs) It was just me. Pilled out in my room, listening to my bloody Valentine on repeat. I was like, "This is my the life. This is the life." <laughs> in an overpriced apartment. I often have this conversation with people because, uh, especially anyone that was from New Orleans or from the South, they often say, "Oh, you're living in New York, and you know what does rent go there?" And at the time, I was living in a a, a studio apartment in Hell's Kitchen, which was I think twenty four hundred before the the you know the month the 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 yearly tax raise. But it was a uh, twenty four hundred for this place, and they said to me, "Well, you could have a man." down here in Biloxi, Mississippi for that amount of money. And I'm thinking, who the fuck wants to live in Mississippi? I go, but there's a huge difference between being rich and being New York rich. You know, yes. like if you really yes. have to piss away the money to live in New York. I mean, you By really way, have to go. Even, even New York rich is not even great. Like I watched the premiere of Roni the other day and like, uh-huh. And like seeing Luann's new apartment is so, <laughs> it's sad. It's just sad. <laughs> and like you you know it costs like ten thousand dollars a month, and you're like, "This is yeah. like shithole?" Question, yeah. like literally, like you're like, "This is a small cave-like apartment," <laughs> and it's like, and it's like literally, like you're a multi-millionaire. Like it's is actually she? outrageous. Is yeah, she? I, well, she allegedly is, and like she just sold like a multi-million-dollar house in Kingston, New York, and she has a house in the Hamptons. Like, I, it's very weird. What uh, your dollar does not go far. Your dollar just gives up in New York. Uh, it doesn't com- even go anywhere. Completely. And, and you get nothing place. for it. You nothing, absolutely nothing for it. Well, on, on a side note with Loanne, she's doing that cabaret show and they reached out to me to be a part of it. Oh, honey, <laughs> hashtag blast. Are you going to do it? Uh, I was busy uh, for about nine months. Uh, I just was like, I can't. Uh, she was very sweet, but I, I just thought, oh no, I don't know, because I have a tendency to laugh when I'm in uncomfortable situations with people that are very serious. And I feel that's the case with her. Uh, yes. and, well, that's the camp. Is that yeah, she doesn't get is it. Is it? What's, <laughs> what's funny is like she doesn't get it but she thinks she does which i think mm. is the fascinating part it's like she yeah. really does think she's in on the joke but she yeah. really doesn't understand and by no. the way that that's what makes her so special to the gay community <laughs> yes yeah. and likable yeah and yeah. an ally to our community that's correct. yeah absolutely so out of touch uh, completely it. completely uh i tell you so so you're in new york now at 20 going to new school you want to be a writer Okay, so this is the goal, to be a writer. So how the fuck do you end up on your own TV show and actually, you know, creating, well, besides the book, but that's a jumping ahead, but, you know, you wrote a book after after going to school and saying, hey, this yeah. is what I want to do, and then you end up starring in it. So, writer, mode, you're in New York, I'm going to be a writer, this is what I'm doing. 
Well, first, I think we need to create space for me being the first person to ever move to New York to want to be a writer. So I feel oh, like we course. need to. I think Kudos. we need to acknowledge that history is being made. Right. Let's there. take a moment. Let's yeah. take. A oh moment. my God. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. So, so beyond when I wasn't busy, you know, blazing trails. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> and guzzling screwdrivers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, no, I mean, I I graduated college and it was, you know, it was a mind fuck. And I felt supremely uh, depressed with the prospects because this was um, in 2008. So the recession had just hit and things were looking not great. Yeah. Um, but I started, um, I just started writing these pieces for a website that people were responding to. And that's kind of what got me my book deal. And, um, I, I wrote the book, uh, and then people were interested in optioning it, uh, because it was like gay CP, the new hot minority, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, people were like, wow, we haven't done that yet. Yeah. Um, so, so everyone was like ready to get on that until they weren't. I think I think it's a tale as old as time where like Hollywood always thinks it's woker than it thinks it is. It's still very much asleep at the wheel, and it, mm-hmm. it wants to it wants to pat itself on the back, uh, but really it hasn't done shit. Nope. Um, so in 2015, you know, we went out and we pitched the TV show, and um, people really loved it. But then, kind of what happens is, is like in Hollywood, it's like you have this gay exec that kind of gets it and wants to like, you know, move the needle and make things that are actually meaningful. Yeah. And then he like sends the idea up the flagpole to like his 65 year old boss that lives in the Palisades named, you know, Marv. And, yeah. and, and, and Marv doesn't understand it at all. Marv's I- like, gay guy with CP, me confused. Next. <laughs> like, so um, it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of Marv's just pissing on my dream. Isn't that crazy? Um, but don't you find that that's that's usually the case? I mean, I find that people at the top have no concept of the world, you know? And I look at uh, some of these reality shows that are created by, you know, over 50-year-old millionaires that are trying to cater to an audience that are, you know, 13 to 38. It's right. like, do you really even know what the slang is, what the term is, what the vibe is, what's actually going on in the world? I think through the pandemic, we have a better idea because kind of everybody's stopped well somewhat physically stopped and just basically i didn't stop i went to puerto vallarta and partied oh, all oh. time were you kidding. on that boat bitch were you was... on that boat <laughs> no it wasn't accessible <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> emotionally well of course that's pv bitch you know how it is but wait we're gonna take a short break and we'll be back with ryan o'connell in a hot minute and hear about how he passed up pv And we're back again with Ryan O'Connell. And he was just saying that he could not board the boat because it was not accessible emotionally. I totally understand. I totally I mean, get you. Physically, it could not have been accessible either. You know how that, yeah, you know yeah. the, you know that gay community in PV is. It's all it's all abs and east, east, and east, you know. There's no, there's no part for me. Um, yeah. try, be, try being a drag queen. It gets even worse. Trust me. Fags uh, are rotted. Gays never liked drag queens until drag race. And I... I, I I can tell you because when I was younger, ain't nobody said hello. And now they're like, hey, picture, stick it in my ass. I mean, that's my life basically now, which is wild. But People I thoroughly enjoyed it. stick it in their ass? Is mm-hmm. that what and you're that, saying? Yeah, okay. that was just RuPaul. Yeah. Um, so I say, um, that's how I won. Um, but so here you are writing, you know, you're writing and then you write the book. And Marv is saying yeah. no. Marv is pissing on you and you're not into water sports. So the awkwardness of this 
You're sitting I know. around. Uh, and, because, and because of self-loathing, I end up fucking Marv anyway. Because I'm oh, just like, you know. As one Because he, he's closeted and, uh-huh. you know, I feel bad for him and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Uh, just kidding. Can you imagine? I wish that that I would have gotten the show greenlit, honey. Jesus well, Christ! Think I about hope. it. Yeah, uh, I would hope. You know, didn't that wasn't that the case with Chelsea Handler? Wasn't that her whole get up that she was dating the guy who was in charge? Chelsea, of e? yeah, she dated the guy Ted. Ted, yes, Ted that, from from E. Yeah. See, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um maybe I would be better off Ted, as they yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, it would work um, out. So basically, we so basically we were kind of demoralized. Everyone had passed. And they went to this digital branch of Warner Brothers called Stage 13, which was kind of serving as an incubator for like new ideas. So mm-hmm. they commissioned me to write eight 15 minute scripts. And so I did that. And eight. then eight. And wow. then we sent then we sent the scripts to Netflix. And Netflix was like, oh, we'll do this. Great. Brilliant. It was, it was kind of a different time for Netflix. I think it was like during that whole perception of Netflix being like, and you get a show, and you get a show, and you get a show. Mm-hmm. I think now they're much choosier, but um, mm-hmm. I think we kind of snuck in through the back door when the when the bouncer was asleep. You know well, that's I mean? good, though. That's good, though. So, I mean, is there a challenge? I mean, especially after writing the book, was it challenging to create episodic moments where you're just going, all right, I'm doing eight and I'm doing this, especially when you're writing it, it's your own, it's all your own material, your own story. Did yeah. How much changed from the book to the paper, because at this point you weren't even going to star in it, right? I mean, it was not, right. it, you had no intentions of doing it. So I had no intentions of doing it. I look in the TV space. I've been writing for TV at that point for like three to four years. So I felt very comfortable in the medium of TV. That mm-hmm. being said, the book, like many books that are optioned for television is not actually a TV show. Yeah. So you have to fictionalize most of it. So I would say there really is almost nothing that's in the book that ended up being in the TV show. Um, It was really challenging because I didn't have a writer's room for season one. So I just wrote all the episodes myself, which was um, stressful. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, But it was fun. I mean, it was, it was, well, it wasn't fun. It was, it was hard. (laughs) It was really hard. But it's something (laughs) when you're, but when you're writing, when, when you're, when you're writing something on that level, when you're creating eight episodes, do you, I mean, are you dealing with an unlimited budget? Are you dealing with, we can only have yes, five actors? Unlimited, unlimited I mean, budget. Yes, honey. Yes. Well, I'm oh checking. You know, I don't know. Look, listen, I didn't know if Marv gave, slipped you a 50 or something. I'm just curious of how it all worked out. Like if you're going. Marv, Marv gave me a fucking like bubblegum wrapper. I mean, like that's like, that's what Marv gave me. Marv gave me a quarter and was like, go call someone else. Um, he could have been worse he could have gave you gonorrhea you know let's be yeah. real here marv gets Honestly, around yeah that's very true <laughs> um no but i mean i yeah where there wasn't a lot of resources we we shot the show very quickly in the dead of summer in austin texas for very little money it was Oof. very intense we were shooting like eight pages a day which in tv fake is it's a, lot. a lot that's a lot it's a lot, it's a lot. Yeah. um so it was very very intense um but we made it mm-hmm. we didn't we you know it actually went off without a hitch, which is so crazy when you're like, I felt like that production, I was just like holding my breath the entire time. because There were so many versions where it went wrong. It felt like we were kind of set up to fail. Like, you know what I mean? In a weird yeah. way, because we didn't have the resources, but by golly, we did it. So, um, but yeah. in this, in this game though, I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that here it is now, you know, you've written the eight things They Netflix says, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do this. They're thinking this is a great topic. This is something that hasn't been done before. You're sitting alone in a room making magic happen. And then you get a director, obviously. And yeah. with that, how did you 
yourself get into the show? I mean, did you have John Stamos come in and audition and go, mm, not good? Did you did you have John, certain- John Stamos as, as me? Wow, that would have taken the show in a very different direction. Come on, Uncle Jesse um, can do anything. Yeah, can't, uh, John Stamos playing a 28-year-old gay guy with CP. Wow, I don't need to see that, Valerie Cherish voice. Um, so basically, uh, okay. So what happened was is I was not slated to start because I had no aspirations of acting, which sure. now in retrospect, I look at like, I actually low key was always a performer, but I felt like I was already, as a gay disabled person, I always, I thought I was already greedy enough to be like, I want to have my own show. Maybe like yeah. acting in it was like taking up too much space. You know, you got to give room for the Mars. Oh, well, without a doubt. <laughs> they, t- they take up oh, a lot. Space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot. So, uh, so really when we did the, Honestly, and they hate when I talk about this, but it really came out of budget. Like, it, like oh. really, like, like it was just sort of like, well, Ryan will do it because, well, first of all, casting this character would have been hard because mm-hmm. um, gay disabled actors don't necessarily grow in trees, sure. um, or they, they, do, they usually fall out of or, trees, yeah, <laughs> or the, or they do, but because of systemic oppression, they're cut out. Of conversation oh, completely. Um, so basically. Uh, I just was kind of casually starring in a Netflix show just out of like necessity, wow. um, which is very relatable. Yeah, of very, course, of course, so it is. relatable, and it was so tale you know, as old I, as time. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you know the one person in LA that didn't want to act ends up starring in his own Netflix show. You know, hmm. I, like God, I want to give my TED talk. You know, it's yeah, like, you should masterclass. Yeah. yeah, everybody's doing it. Yeah, Speaking of, well, you know, it's funny. Like I needed to learn how to act, lol, and I was like, okay. I need a private acting teacher because like I would literally need to go in a bulletproof vest to like explain to the class like, Hey guys, I'm starring in my own Netflix show in like three months, but I don't know how to act lol. So can someone like teach me like truly like it's like a mass suicide situation. Like Brian's jo- like a Brian Jones cult moment or whatever it's called. Um, and yeah, so I had to get, a, I had to get a private acting coach. For self-protection. <laughs> but you know, that's the thing though. And people don't understand it. Is that if you're if you're a live performer or if you're a comedian or if you it's challenging when you're putting it on film because it's totally fucking different. I mean it's yeah, just one it of those things. Translate. It's not like at you, all. When you see a comedian try to do a show, it sometimes is very much lost in translation. But I had not really any experience in any of it. Like I've been I'm a funny person. I've been yeah. funny for like a long time, so I know that but i didn't mm-hmm. i didn't do stand up i didn't do any of that stuff so uh it was definitely scary going into it but um but it was fun and i think mm-hmm. if something scares you you should do it oh no, please that. my uncle used to tell me that all the time yeah it it's is true tricky. though <laughs> it's true i mean and it, it's 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 hard to unpack like wh- it's hard for me to even come to terms with like what i want to do and what i know i'm capable of but it's like because of the society that i was born into like i have just again it's it's hard it's hard admitting to yourself that you want to be the boy with the most cake you know what i mean yeah yeah no without a doubt and i'm I think, talking about my ass oh i'm sure yes i'm sure yeah yeah <laughs> I'm which saying, is huge <clears throat> oh good well i i'm what i'm fascinated with is that you know here you are in this position not wanting to do it but it's your story so to speak based on your story and creating it now you're in acting classes you know doing what you can to make it right in this short period of time yeah. and putting your best foot forward and you're doing it but and we really haven't talked much about your disability but this was as you said a completely different uh story i guess you would say to put out there and to tell yeah Um, and it was a different version of me i mean this this character that i had created 
was very arrested development. Like he was mm-hmm. living with his mom at the age of 28. Um, he was a virgin. I famously lost my virginity at 17. Not of to brag. Yeah. I, mo- I moved out when I was 18 to go to college. So mm-hmm. this, this character was a much, much different person than I was, which actually made it easier to play because yeah. when it was closer to me, and I think it originally screwed up being close to me, that was hard. That was like very blurred lines. But I think by the end of the process, this was its own person and its own character, which made it easier to inhabit. Got it. So then you, you film all these episodes. <clears throat> you're done with it. It's set away. <laughs> and then you're yeah. sitting there thinking, okay, what's next? Because I know you have a second season that's coming. But I'm just yeah. curious. In that moment, did you feel a sense of accomplishment? Did you feel defeated? Did you feel like, you know what? Yeah. I, I'm A-list now, baby. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's weird because... I made no money doing season one. So it was this weird, weird thing of like, we made this thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I edited it. I was in post with my director. I was proud of what we had done, but I had no idea if anyone was going to care. I needed money. I remember like my face being on a billboard on Sunset and being like, uh, I need a job. <laughs> dot, 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 dot. I, I like, I, re- I remember also like, going in for staffing meetings on like dog with a blog and they were just like, <laughs> not literally, but you know, yeah. Um, and they were like, so you have your own Netflix show coming out that you starred, wrote and created and produced, but why aren't you here? And I was like, yeah. honestly, babe would love to know. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, basically you're Tyler Perry at this point, you know, you're handling all ends of this and you're making this magic happen, but yeah. Well, so, kind of- so then it- so there was a huge, I had a lot of anxiety leading up to the release because <clears throat> I had poured so much of myself in this show. And it was honestly my entire drive, I think, for my existence was like, I want a character like me on television. Like sure. that would say, if I had seen this show when I was younger, it would have saved me thousands of dollars in therapy. Yeah. Like this show was so important to me. And it was like, it, it was a huge reason why I got up every day. You know, it was like, it was a big, big deal. So um, it was really anxiety producing, kind of like thinking about, oh, shit, is anyone going to care? Is anyone going to like yeah. this? And luckily, people did. Yeah. Um, and then we got a season two. But even that was a long process. It was like five months. And then and then we filmed the first four episodes. And then we got shut down by coronavirus. Nothing oh. about this show. And I say this with absolute love because this show has changed my life. But nothing about this show has been easy, like at yeah. all. Like yeah. every step of the way has been kind of a troll. Yeah. And I mean, we pitched it in 2015. It aired in 2019. That's four years. And then yeah. season two was two years between wow. season one and season two. So, you know, it's the end. Season two yeah. is the final season, which I feel very bittersweet about because obviously I love the world. I love the crew. I love the cast. I love all that stuff that, you know, we built. But I also feel like in a lot of ways, this show has been kind of like a bad boyfriend, but like, (laughs) and and, do you know what I mean? And like, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like ready to move on a little bit. No, yeah. and, and, but I mean, you've, you've paid your dues, you've put in the time, you've created something that's fabulous and completely different. It's well-received. I mean, well, we haven't seen the second season yet. But okay. fe- Just saying, I'm kidding. Wow. Listen, listen, you saw Sex in the City too, didn't you? All I'm saying. Think about That's it. Perfect true. example. Perfect well, example. Well, we're really fucked because we go to Abu Dhabi in season two. So oh, this please. is not... 
this does not bode well for us. Let me ask you a question. Are you wearing a turban? Because that's cultural appropriation. If you're wearing a turban in Abu Dhabi, you are in trouble, bitch. I'm coming oh for you. I'm going to come for you on Twitter where you can't respond. That's what so, I'm going to do. Sex in the City 2 like, was like a gay nightmare. It's mm-hmm. like it's, I, It should be the focus of American Horror Story the next season. <laughs> Don't give Ryan any ideas. And, and, it should, and, it, and it should be Michael Patrick King just writing that movie in his house. <laughs> Like that's what the entire season needs to just be, or it should be uh, more like it should be more like misery, where he's in the bed. Uh, Ryan Michael, Michael Patrick Picking is in the bed, and then you know you've got uh, Sarah Jessica Parker there keeping him hostage to try to create this fabulous film. That would be a great feud. That'd be the great backstory oh, to the whole I thing. Oh, I love that. That would yeah. be great. Now I like that movie. You see, you could <laughs> you can work on that. Um, no, but here it is that, that you're you're there. You've got the second season that's coming out now. You're ready to wrap it up and move on to other things. Things. But it's kind of amazing that you've been able to achieve all of this with only being 34 years old and not wanting to do it. And I think that's a great, I, that's even a better story to me that I love is when I find out that someone ended up in this great place where they didn't intend to go. You know, yeah. I always. Uh, I mean, I, I wanted, now I can say I wanted it. I always yeah. wanted it, but I just gave myself permission to really go after it. Yeah. And um, now I just want to do everything. And yeah. now I'm like, okay, like, let's fucking get after it. You know well, what I mean? So like, what's next on? Well, I hate when people ask me what's next, but I mean, are there, are there things brewing? Are you finding, you know, yeah. your way through it? Are you going, all right, this is, this is what I'm focusing on next now that you've wrapped that. I mean, unless you're still editing and dealing with all that aspect. No, no, it's, it's, it's done. It's done. There's a lot. I'm like truly a corn husk of a human being right now. Um, yeah. I, I wrote a novel, which is coming out next year. Brilliant. And then I'm I'm adapting that into a movie. Uh, oh, with, excuse with, me. Mm. With uh, Craig Rowlanty producing and Film Nation is financing it. So that's fun. And then I'm also um, producing uh, the Queerest Folk reboot. Oh, so brilliant. We're, yeah, my friend Stephen Dunn, uh, you know, show running it, created it. Um, and we just started the writer's room. So Really? It's funny because I think I just saw something that said it possibly would be set in New Orleans. Is that true? Or was that, that just is, a... That's true. I mean, I oh, knew, yeah, okay, that's never true. know. I okay, no. I just saw some, it was something on a blog on Twitter. You would know because you're not on Twitter. But I read it and I was like, oh, how fascinating that if it's placed there, I think that that's that's amazing. Look, more queer content is great. But I'm curious, what is, the, what is your novel about? Well, uh, I wrote it in quarantine in three months, which I feel like I'm not allowed to say, but it's okay. true. That's brilliant. Uh, it, it just poured out of me like, yeah. like verbal. Vo- I didn't try to write a novel. I wrote, I started writing, um, just using it as a writing exercise, like a mm-hmm. thousand words a day. Cause I was obviously like a girl interrupted and felt <laughs> insane. Yes. Um, so I just needed like funnel my energy into something. Agreed. And I ended up writing this novel that I know is going to feel like a diary entry when I tell you what it's about, but it's not, I swear to God. It's okay, about okay. this, it's about this uh, gay TV writer with CP. Stop. Oh, okay, Stop. Okay. Don't put me in a box. Don't I see where you're going. I see where you're going, but go ahead. And he's in this long-term relationship that he finds a little unsatisfying and he kind of falls down a rabbit hole of sex worker addiction. And uh, oh. it's, a, it, it's a comedy. It's like, yeah. it's like, it's all the ways we look to feel whole, including filling <laughs> our hole. Uh, um, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a moment. It's a moment. I can't wait for people to read it. It was an absolute delight writing it. And it yeah. felt like such a pure expression of what I want to do because TV and film, it's, amazing but it's also yeah. a lot of cooks in the kitchen it's a lot sure. of revising it's a lot of this love that and it really transforms into something that sometimes you don't even recognize yes. um 
And this novel was just me. It was just me. And then it was my editor. So it feels really contained and it feels very pure. So And I'm very authentic. Yeah. Very authentic to you. So w- with this type of thing, when you have the, the book and then, of course, someone with big money reads it and says, hey, we're going to make this into a movie. Are you going to star in the movie as well? Yeah. Oh, look at you. Oh, look at you. Money, money, money. Let me get in the front. Now, where is Marv now? That's what we want to find out. That's brilliant, though. That's brilliant, though. Thanks, thanks. Um, Yeah, if you want to make a movie, my advice is write the novel and then get paid twice. You know what I mean? Uh, Because on, on a very real note, Hollywood has no imagination. So like in terms of getting a movie made, it's mission impossible. Of course. So I, I wrote a movie actually when I was in post on season one of special and it's still, I think Sitting. probably the thing I've written that's most part I'm most proud of. It yeah. didn't, it didn't gain any traction. There was just, there was no pathway to getting it made. And so Hollywood is like so horny for IP because they're so fear driven. So like, yeah. if it if it exists in a different medium, they're like, oh, someone else likes this. Great, we'll do it. Yeah, so like you you could literally like fart and like be like, okay, it got optioned by FX. Do you know yeah, what I mean? of course. Um, but and so I kind of like knew that you, like in order to make, I wanted to make a future, and I wanted to make a really gay future. But I knew that if I had written it on spec, like I'd done my first film, the odds of it actually seeing the light of day were very slim. So. Mm-hmm. Um, this novel, when I was writing it, I was sort of conscious of that too. And also yes. I think my structure is so embedded in TV and film that I kind of just know how to break the story a little yeah. bit and just like kind of know how things happen. Anyway, whatever. I'm very happy and excited and hopefully it actually works out. No, that's amazing. I mean, it's amazing that you can write something that's not even out yet. And they're going, hey, we're going to make this into a movie. I mean, that's Oprah shit. That's 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 serious territory honey. land. Honey, that, honey, no, honey. No, no that's no. no, truly. That's amazing. I mean, could you say 10 years ago, even 15 years ago, when you're sitting in, in the bar drinking, you know, your screwdrivers, that this would be happening, that your story would be told, even in a comedy form <laughs> with the novel or, you know, uh, you know, with the show as well. I mean, come on. That's pretty amazing no. that all of this is happening so quickly. Yeah, I mean... On one hand, I've always been really driven. I'm like a type A Virgo from hell. Okay. And I think I think I get a lot of I think I get a lot of ammunition from people underestimating me, which spoiler alert is like everybody. So I think <laughs> sure. that's sort of like I you know, I saw that Michael Jordan documentary. What was it called? It was oh, so I, good. I did. It was see I, it. anyway, it was called like game I don't know. Anyway, basically like Michael Jordan was talking about how like he he basically would just like have a nemesis that he would fixate on as like ammunition to win a game. And like, yeah. they weren't like, there weren't even like sometimes real slights. It was like yeah. something he had to make up in his head to like, get to it. And I feel like that's sort of my whole thing, although mine are real, but yeah. it's like, it's like, it's like triumphing over adversity. Like that's like, it's almost like sometimes I wonder like, God, what, what would I, would I still, what would my work ethic be like if I didn't always have to like be fighting against something? You know yeah. Well, mean? Yeah, and I i mean, I think that, you know, especially as you were saying, the way that you're using your platform and actually putting it out there, I think is brilliant. Because what I appreciate most is that it's not preachy. It's not done no, on a level I where I, I just love that it's done with comedy. I think that's the key to all of it, you know, because the one common thing I find is, you know, laugh. You got to laugh through this shit. I mean, well, that's it. you know, I, I feel annoyed that because I'm gay and disabled, I'm considered political before I even open my mouth. Mm-hmm. Like... I never wanted to be political in that way. Sure. Like I, I just wanted to just exist and mm-hmm. have the confidence to exist and like basically act like I had the self-confidence of Rob Schneider in the late nineties. Like that <laughs> was really like, Oh but, God. But because I know scary, <laughs> but movies. because, because I have that confidence and because I'm taking up this space, 
I'm considered political, but it's like, honey, all I want to do is like be Nora Ephron. Do you know what right. I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want to do, like, I don't care. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? But I agree. No, I totally like, know. Let me just be Nora Ephron. Like, let me know. just be. Well, yeah. we're going to take a short break and hear from our sponsors and we'll be back again with Nora Ephron. And we're back with Ryan O'Connell, who secretly believes that he's Nora Ephron. For those of you who are listening who don't know who Nora is, Nora wrote Sleepless in Seattle. Google her. Brilliant writer. Lots of fabulous movies in the 80s and 90s, I believe. Yes. Indeed. Uh, Yeah. So, no, I think that's great because, you know, I always say the same thing about, um, well, I'm not comparing my life to yours, but I'm saying in general that what's funny in the world is that it's the opposite for me, is that they, they... they see a drag queen and they go, oh, well, you have this platform and you were on this reality show. I just realized I'm trying to compare myself to your success, which is funny. But no, in the end, what I'm saying is that the comedy in it is that they think that I'm some activist now and I'm supposed to be this poster person. I'm like, I am a man in a wig who's worked in a bar for $2 who, you know, is not everybody's favorite sense of humor or taste or style. The thing is that don't put me on a platform because as soon as you do or on a pedestal, you want to rip me down. You know, that's, yeah, the gays course. love to do that. The gays love to do that unless you're Caitlyn Jenner who's just a dumb cunt to begin with you know I mean that's a that's a whole nother world with her and her madness so I think that's great that you know that you at least know I don't want to be there I don't want to be preachy I don't want to be the voice of reason I'm here just to tell a story and make it fun but it but it is hard because like unfortunately we we live in a world where not many disabled people have this size of the platform but yeah. by the way my platform is not even big by the way but by yeah. like but in terms of being disabled, it's one of the most visible ones. And so it's like you do sort of have responsibility. You just do. And it's so frustrating because it's like, you know, I have to do so many fucking panels about like representation in Hollywood that I'm just like, I'm done. I'm yeah. fucking done. I'm done talking about it. I get like yeah. you've been saying. No, they, totally. They don't, they don't do anything. If you really want, you know, change, go to go have a panel full of barbs that are that are green lighting content that are deciding what is being set, like seen Agreed. on TV. Those yes. are the real the gatekeepers are the ones that are really in charge. Yeah. But it's also like I don't want to have to like once a week go and like prostitute my identity and like talk about the trauma of like my queerness and my disability. I, it's like, it's so frustrating. You know, I don't know. I totally Whatever. agree. No, I totally agree. I mean, you know, I come from a, from a place where, you know, drag queens on a reality show, when they cry, they, you know, were left at a bus stop and who's a friend, my friend Roxy, that's, that's all we know her for now from that show. That was the horrible thing about the show is that here it is. This is her story. She shared it, whatever. It makes the edit. And then that's what people believe. And that's what it's all about. That's what people bring up all the time. And it's kind of crazy whether she's so much more than that. She's a fabulous entertainer. She's a fabulous drag queen. She's gorgeous. But that's that's the story. And I think well, that speaks to, well, it speaks to being like a marginalized person. Like we're given these like very narrow spots to exist. And I feel like, like it's like, it's all, all the gay stuff that gets made. It's all focused on our trauma. It's like conversion yes. therapy. It's like a closeted story. Da, da, da. It's like, well, why can't we just show like queer joy? Why can't happy we just show gay like people. happy <laughs> gay people, which by the way, like, by the way, like to say that there's no trauma is wrong. It's like this, it's just like, just be like real, which is that sure. like, we contain multitudes and there's a lot of like, but it's like this idea where you only want to focus and profit off our trauma, I think it's 
really fucked up. And well, I also think that 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 type of backstory doesn't. I mean, it's been told. I mean, we have several different instances where there's stories that are traumatic and stuff. But I wish it would celebrate more of a gay life because I mean, I don't walk around my house, you know, concerned with shit that's happened to me. I mean, I'm usually drunk, so I don't give a shit. But in theory, it's like I don't. I I can't even get interested in that type of wah 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 fuckery. You know, it, to me, it just wears me the well, fuck out. I just, I just feel like there's, it's just all very binary. The reality is that life is so depressing and sad and also really fun and joyous. And like yes. the two can coexist at the same time. So like to, to erase our trauma and to not focus on it feels um, like disingenuous, but, but to also to be only fixating on it is denying us the full spectrum of our, of our community. True, true. I totally agree. I totally agree. And as you know, as 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 we get into these later years, I'm hoping that things start changing in general, just from a viewing perspective, because I can't deal with another production of Boys in the Band. I just can't. I mean, we that party. I mean, nobody wanted to go to that party. But it's that kind of a thing where you're like, do we really need to see this type? It's a brilliant story and it exists. And I think two versions are lovely, but I don't need to see a third. You know, it's that kind of yeah. A thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now, I would say, right now. But I have to say uh, that this is exciting that you have this other, this this new project, so the novels coming out and the film. And I don't know what, the, when when do you think the novel's coming out? Is it soon? Uh, no. Books no. take fucking forever. It's coming, I <laughs> know. Uh, it's coming out next June. <laughs> next June. Oh, well, that's oh, good. Well. No, so no. I'll see, I'll see you in a year, babe. <laughs> Standing date. Standing date. <laughs> a year from now. No, it's crazy. That dancing, shit... din- dancing for my dinner, selling the goddamn gay donuts. No, this is good, though. Well, at least the donut has a hole in it. The gays will buy that's it. That's true. But that's that's, that's true. pretty. Uh, so a year from now, that'll come out. And I, I mean, will you be doing the film before that? Or, or is it just kind of? We'll see. I mean, Queerest Folk is going to take some time. And ah, okay. um, so we'll see. I need to, I need to write it. <laughs> Ooh, oh, oh, no, no, that's yet. good. <laughs> What do you mean, um, write it? Oh, come on. Hmm. It's your book. You get a thousand words a day. That's a lot. I mean, to me, that commitment, I, you know, I think it's very fascinating when I hear people that are diligent with writing and can actually put pen to paper or or typing in all of this madness on a day, like in one day. Like for me, it's it's a thought and then you write down the thought and then it becomes a joke. But it's never that process of sitting down and going, okay, let me be funny. Let me think about how to make this magic. So I'm always fascinated with people that can do that, not to mention people that can perform it as well. Well, I just think I'm constantly like metabolizing things and it's yeah. like a quick, it's a quick process for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just genuinely love the act of writing. I don't, I don't, I don't like, there's a lot of writers that are like, Oh, writing. I yeah. hate it. I love, or like, I hate having, I hate writing, but I love to have written. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I don't agree. I, I actually love the act of writing. And I think it's just sort of how I make sense of the world. It's where I mm-hmm. feel in control. And yeah. so it's, I like it. No and your problem. mind is not cluttered with glitter, with glitter, with Twitter. <laughs> it's, That's your, true. Your mind is but not. I'm, but I'm on. But I'm on Instagram looking for gay boys to make me feel bad about myself. Trust me. But let me tell you something funny about Instagram. Well, I don't know if this has happened to you, but but with my profession, I've been able to travel the world and actually meet a lot of people in person, like during meet and greets and stuff. And mm. I've been fascinated because there would always be someone on Instagram that I thought was hot or cute or precious or whatever, whatever I liked about them. And I like it. And then eventually I end up seeing them in person at some event. And Instagram lies to you. It really, d- first of all, what do you mean, like filters and stuff? The filters. Okay. Look, that's there as a drag queen. I get it. You know, you, you're going to put out your best photo height, 
Height is a big issue. When you see people, they are much smaller in person than you could imagine. I'm not talking about dick sizes. I'm just saying just in general, it's one of those things where Instagram... Is that a problem? Do you have no, a height thing? Not at all. But in the photo, I'm just going, oh, they look about six feet tall. And then yeah. when I see them in person, oh, they're only five foot. I'm not mad at well, that. That's I'm short. Well, that's because masculinity is a prison. You is know that what, what I mean? Is? I mean, so, yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's like because like men want to be tall because it's quote unquote masculine and we're all like, it's all horrible. It's all garbage. I have empathy for that. Yeah. I just find it fascinating that when you actually see them in person, you go, wow, this is, this is a completely different world. Like this is yeah. the real world. I'm touching you and you're two feet taller, smaller than I intended you to, that I assumed that you would be. But, but I you assume know, you still go home with them. Oh, without a doubt. Hopefully you don't have to pay for the night. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of going home with people, I'm just curious, you know, Mr. Man, who's writing TV shows and writing novels and getting films made. I mean, what's your personal life now? Are you dating anyone? Yeah. I, oh! I, have, a, I have a long-term partner oh um, you're one of those one of the partner oh so you're in a law firm you're a law no, firm no <laughs> he's actually look here's the deal tell he, me we've been together for what six six uh, six and a half years i thought or, you were gonna say six seasons i was oh like oh, oh, so well. tv <laughs> i know right I'm like welcome to the biz bitch um <laughs> no i uh we've been together for six and a half years and he, we're we got engaged. We're engaged. I guess. Wait a minute. I, wait, wait. You're going in reverse here. So first of all, it's like, oh yeah, I'm with a guy. Then he's your partner. Then we got engaged. So what's well, the story? So, like, so, so, but here's the fucking thing. So we I, we got engaged because I was like, I got emotional at a wedding and was like, we should get engaged. And oh then, God. Never and then got a wedding. We, start, we started planning a wedding and we're like, actually, this seems like trash. And so yeah. we like stopped doing that. And now, so now it's like, and then we bought a house. So that was like a thing. Okay. But then, but then like, I, I just, I, I have, I don't really have a, he doesn't feel like my boyfriend calling him. My boyfriend feels silly. Okay. But, but calling him, my husband feels silly because we're not actually married. I don't know what to call him. I mean, okay. I don't know. Does he have a name? Does he have a name? I don't actually know. I never asked him. Okay. So that's, like, okay. Okay. I, I see the process here. Is that part of the problem? David? No. No, 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 just a little different. <laughs> but that's no, you. <laughs> his, name is, his name is Jonathan Parks Ramage. He is a Jonathan. brilliant. He actually has a brilliant novel coming out two days before season two of special. Actually, oh, brilliant. Okay, so let's yeah. plug his book. Yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. His novel's called Yes, Daddy. Oh, oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And what is this yeah. about? Talk to me. Well, it's it's kind of disturbia, quite frankly. It's like it, it takes. It's I don't know. You're going to just have to read it. it comes, <laughs> okay, but. It comes out two days. It's so weird. It comes out two days before my show. So we have a big week at our Apparently, household. so successful here. The, the, the two of you just living it up in your home that you bought with your partner, right in, across from each other, creating Hollywood oh magic. I mean, come on we're now. Like, yeah, we're like the gay Joan Didion and John Gregory Dunn. <laughs> we're, we're just writing rim jobs instead of about the Santa Ana wins. No, yeah. I just think, well, you know, if you combine them, that'd be a great, a great story. Santa well, Ana Santa wins, wins and rim jobs. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> how, how in the Santa Anna, Anna wins. Go down the canyons. It makes your <laughs> asshole clench. And it interrupts your rim job. Ooh, yeah. po- poetry. Nora would oh be so proud. God. Nora, Nora would. Be so- would. <laughs> she would. And so would Joan. Oh yes, yes, very much. Well, Joan will be furious. Joan has no <laughs> sense of humor. But yeah. <laughs> so wait. So did you not decide to do a wedding now? There's no wedding. No wedding. Y'all we just, just said like, fuck it. it. Just like, well, it's just like very stressful. It was just like, and I just don't know if I believe in it, quite frankly. <laughs> I don't, I really don't. I don't know if I believe in the institution of marriage. I think it's kind of bogus. Yeah. Like the only thing that we're really thinking of is like, my health insurance is amazing. Yeah. And he pays a lot. And so yeah. like, 
I could see us getting married so he could get on my insurance. Yeah, that's the but, fundamental smart um, thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. I just like don't know if I really believe in marriage. It just feels very heteronormative. Well, save the money. Save the money. And, and, are, and you, are you married? Hell no. No, that's why I have money. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm solo. No, it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I say, I, I'm always fascinated by people that feel the need to get married or people's goals are to get married. And I'm thinking, yeah. like, what the fuck? You know, like, yeah. I always laugh at like soap operas that discuss marriage. And it's like, it's the big thing. The girl's like, well, he's going to marry me. Like, that's the end of the story. Is it that what's going to make life better? Well, it's also just like what changes. I feel like I feel like in straight culture, it's like the the woman feels like she has solidified the connect. Like now he can't leave. There's like that underneath of like, do you know what I'm saying? And uh, it's like, totally. And it's so odd to me. And I think because you know we're open, and most gay couples are open. Like yeah. I'm not worried about him leaving. I mean, if he leaves, he leaves. I guess that's the way the cookie crumbles, but like, it's not, you know what I mean? It's not like that looming danger. No. You know what I mean? No, and if he leaves, you change the keys. That's what it is. Change the locks and switch the keys and he can't come back. I mean, that's the gay world. That's the way to do it, you know? Yeah. So yeah. It's weird. It's like, I hate, like, straight people are so sad and I truly feel bad for them. <laughs> they are missing out on so much, but I'm glad you figured yeah. it all out. I'm glad you yeah. got it all figured out. That's good. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you today, and I have I, I just love the fact that you're out there making magic happen. And so everybody who's listening, we want to let you know that special season two is coming out soon, May 20th, uh, on Netflix, obviously. And, of course, Ryan has a novel that would be out next June for our standing date. His husband, Jonathan, has one coming out on May 22nd, his partner. May 18th. May 18th. May, May 18th. Two days before. But you're so good, but you're so good for remembering that. No, well, Guess I'm just, it. you know, I've, I do have papers in front of me. Uh, but yeah, so May 18th, uh, Jonathan, the partner slash lover, uh, has his book that's coming out called Yes Daddy. Was that what it was? Yes Daddy? Yeah, this yes, is. Daddy. I, I'm excited to read this because I need something to hold me over till next year when your shit comes out. But I have you, to say. You allow yourself one book a year? Oh, no. <laughs> yes, yes. One book a year. One book a year is all I've got. I have no time. Uh, but I have to say, it's been a joy to get to chat with you. So I, you. I know you're not on Twitter. So where can we find you on Instagram? Um, you can see me on Instagram at Instagram.com slash Ryan O'Con. O-C-O-N-N. Oh, see, brilliant. Well, I thank you for coming on today. It's been a true pleasure. And I cannot wait to see the film. I'm excited. Thank you. Thank you th for having th me. Th thank you, love. I'll have you. I'll have you in a year. A year. Perfect. A year from now. We're set. Thanks so much. It. Take thank care. You. Smooch. Podcast Network.